Another installment of Show to Be with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Indiana, the show of arts, hospitality, and dropping a new menu. That's right, today's guest is the brilliant Ryan Ehrlichman, GM of Midnight Cowboy, the esteemed cocktail bar here in Austin, Texas. And they just this week launched a new ABCs of Death themed menu. I cannot wait to go check it out this weekend. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great conversation with Ryan Ehrlichman. You threw your hands up, so I suspect. <laughs> yeah, it, it's one of those things where um, I feel like nowadays you really have to throw a hundred darts at the board to have like a couple stick. Really? Um, it's uh, with the, and I'm just going to chalk it up with, you know, all these people that are moving to town. Yeah. And there's so many options for people to go to different bars, restaurants, so on and so forth. Right. They're fresh in the city, but they don't really grasp the concept of what the service industry is and how if you go somebody for an interview, depending on like who you're interviewing with, it yeah. can definitely have other repercussions down the road for right. who else wants to hire you. Yeah. Um, and I've definitely had a couple of people ghost me on interviews. I've had somebody even ghost me on a stage what? that had a recommendation by somebody that was like a friend in the industry kind wow, of thing. No. And the craziest part about it is that they worked down the street and got a recommend. I got a recommendation from their boss, and then they said, "Well, it's just too far away from my house, so I don't think I'll be able to make it." Oh man! So it's just like weird. I, I don't think I don't know what it's yeah. uh, you know effect of, but well, I think there's two things here. I think it's really important that that you mentioned. Well, one one's a question for you, but the first is. You can't do that shit in the industry. <laughs> it's one thing on Tinder, well, right? Yeah. No last names. Some mm-hmm. pictures of you 30 pounds ago, right? So it's yeah. like a totally different thing. But you, if you, if they treat you poorly yeah. and they treat me poorly, then it's going to have some repercussions, which is to my question, I hold grudges about stuff. If people say they're going to do something and they don't do it, mm-hmm. I do tend to put them in a column. Yeah. And that column is I can't rely on you. How do you feel about these people? Does that kind of give you a similar thing? Well, here's the thing. Everybody has their own lives. Like, I, you know, if somebody goes to me on an interview, I'm not trying to say that something may have popped up. Sure. At least like a text or an email would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not going to go out of my way to put this person down in the future oh, or, course. you know, like put somebody in a bad box or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but I just know from that point on that there's no reason for me to continue any sort of you know hiring process right uh it's not like proactively being negative yeah yeah sorry you know you kind of demonstrated who you were probably not an option Mm -hmm. to hire in the future right but i will also say that like myself younger in this industry um i didn't know where it would take me on a career path yeah 
So I think there's a lot of people that use the service industry as a means to make money, but not necessarily as what they want to do professionally. Right. And I think those are the people that are ghosting professionals in this industry because they don't understand the repercussions. Right. Or perhaps it's not part of the plan. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I hadn't thought about that, but whether, all right, so for you, whether I yeah. ask you to help me dig a hole or I ask you to help me build a cocktail menu, are you going to be any less committed? No, but that's just who I am. Yeah. You know, as an individual, I don't, I don't think everybody des- definitely has like the commitment or drive to really do what it takes to grind out like 17, 18 years of service industry yeah. and like try to eventually find their way in it. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's very hard to break your way into it to that kind of like professional level. So not everybody has that kind of drive. It's 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 true. I mean, there's mm-hmm. varying maturity levels, you know, and that kind of this, this brings up an interesting point that for you, you know, you are pursuing what was considered the straight and narrow path you know, getting a degree, mm-hmm. did you see, and we'll go back to kind of how you grew up in Indiana and stuff, but like you were focusing on graphic design, which seems like on paper, it's a good idea, right? Yeah. But the bar and the hospitality industry kind of intersected. How did that change your perspective on your career? Well, even while I was in college, I was always like in the service industry. Yeah. So it was like a way for me to make money, yada, yada, yada. Sure. But there became a point where my academic studies and like my interests like i was 18 going into college like i didn't know what i wanted to do right like you said graphic design on paper sounds like something that's just awesome (laughs) and i was sitting behind a computer all day and it was just not anything that i was like really passionate about yeah um it wasn't until like i got into bartending so like i started bartending at maggiano's little italy oh yeah uh at keystone the crossing in indianapolis and uh i was making like decent money for a college kid than yeah. traveling back up to Muncie, Indiana. And it's just like, is it really worth my time, you know, to pursue something and spend a whole bunch of money that I don't have on a degree versus making a whole bunch of money now? Yeah. And when you're 21, like money's always going to be, oh, it takes, you know, key. Cash is king, right? Yeah, exactly. So it was, uh, that was probably like the main drive. Plus, I was having a lot of fun. I had like, zero living expenses mm. it was just like really it was more about being a fuck boy i guess at that point <laughs> <laughs> you know so you know sometimes and this has become more recurrent for for me and for folks i've been interviewing but there is almost always some kind of thread of hospitality in our folks or in our family mm-hmm. so you, know, you mentioned before recording your folks club and stuff but bef- in their careers what were they doing I mean, my mother had been a uh, like long time like career uh, nurse. That's uh, my mom too. Yeah. So she started out in the psychiatric ward and did that her entire like career. Yeah, psych uh, nurse, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. She was the admitting uh, RN to all the psychiatric like part of the hospital that she worked at. Yeah. Uh, my dad was in advertising uh, earlier on in his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, was very famous. Didn't like it. Ended up going into import export. Okay. Uh, created his own company. Uh, didn't do too well, but it was just one of those things where he followed his passion and ended up where he was. So yeah. uh, that was uh, cool. But honestly, there was zero uh, industry thread in my entire you know lineage. I guess I would say. But so okay, yeah, right. Maybe yeah. not literally. But okay. But you know, 
nurses. Mm-hmm. My mom, never have I met anybody that was more willing to take care of somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, and she was a cocktail waitress for a short period of time, but ultimately went to just to pay for nursing school. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's something about that us learning to care for other people because, in essence, isn't that what hospitality is? It is, and I mean, it's something that may be in your blood. You know, yeah. where you uh, can have this vision of your or my mother, and I say, hey, she was just out there taking care of everybody, gave everything to everyone, yeah. and just kind of looked at herself last, and I'm just like, wow, you know, like, that's my mom yeah. kind of thing. So it was really pretty pretty interesting, and now that you made this correlation, I'm thinking about it a little bit Dude, more. Dude, because yeah. it took me years to, to it, yeah. I wouldn't say I cracked it, but mm-hmm. it certainly wasn't a bad connection to make that I care for people and take care of them like my mom took care, you know, and she still does. Yeah. Loves animals. You know, like this, there's something to that. You know, I went, I had an experience. I was out with a friend the other day and we went to an undisclosed hotel bar to have just a drink and hang out. And it was okay for me, drink aside, but the service was just, and this was visually someone, a man who'd been in the industry for quite some time. Normally, I don't talk about industry stuff as much, but I, but I think that no. this was important because you we brought it up last time we talked. But anyway, he was just like, he didn't want to be there. And so we started talking about the logistics of being a bartender. Oh, man. <laughs> and like, is it, re- I mean, I'm not, this is not to reduce anybody. Mm-hmm. How difficult is it really to be a bartender and to be nice to people? I mean, it really just depends on your day. Yeah. Uh, I was, I guess being a bartender and like being raised in the way that I was in this industry, it was always like, you know, you give everybody everything, you know what I mean? And I don't care if you had a bad day, you strap a, you leave it at the door, you strap a smile on your face and Mm -hmm. you give people, it's your escape from the world. And I think it's hard for people to break that mental barrier of, this is my work and this is what I have to do uh-huh. as opposed to bringing everything else that comes from outside Absolutely. into your work. When it's really a role. Exactly. It's very much like acting in a yeah. way, you know, you got to kind of, you know, if you don't like it, fake it till you make it kind right. of thing. So yeah. what do you tell your staff at Cowboy when they're having those kinds of days where they're not maybe real engaged? Well, um, the the thing that I I guess I have to start people off like in the interview, yeah. Uh, before I even bring people on, it doesn't even. I don't even let it get until people are like actually fully onboarded. Mm. I say, hey, whatever you do, it's about this space, and this space is our like four walls that we really have to protect. Mm-hmm. And if you bring any of that negative energy in here, like you're going to cause all of these dominoes to like fall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And like this is. Uh, it's an ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I mean, same thing with culture. Sure. It's like if you have that one bad seed, it can ruin this culture that you built up from years of like having people around you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, uh, it's something that you have to start, I think, as a manager very early on into bringing bartenders into your space. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. When it comes to health for you personally and mental health. Mm hmm. Being a GM can't be easy. I mean, I know damn well it's not easy. Yeah. And I know that company's a great company. Taste is a good friend and stuff. So I understand kind of that what's going on. Mm-hmm. Not to mention you guys have such an ambitious menu too. True. Aesthetically, which you must like as a graphic designer, which we'll touch on. But yeah. what do you do for you? 
once you get out of there? Oh man. Um, mostly I like to chill on my couch and like cuddle my dog. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it's like, it's the same thing with like, I think myself as like an extroverted introvert, uh-huh. like I give pretty much a hundred percent of my extroversion into when I'm in that space, maybe a little bit of my introversion into like, you know, passively telling my other managers to tell people to do things and sure, kind of sure. hype them up. But like all of my introversion comes like out when I go home, Yeah, uh, watching movies. Uh, I went fishing the other day. Really? Where'd you go fishing? Uh, well, my housing development actually butts up next to McKinney Falls and uh, Onion Creek. Oh, cool. Okay. So uh, we went back in Onion Creek and had a really good time. Just went fishing, drank some beers. So it's not a bad way to do it. Yeah. Uh, going out, visiting other friends at other bars is always a fun pastime of mine. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, uh, I think, as a creative, like, all of my, I guess, uh, extraneous kind of, like, ambitions into different things. Yeah. I always like to spend time doing, like, something and, like, be good at it yeah. and then move on to the next thing. Uh, Dude, so, it's so strange because I've... Yeah. You, it's the same thing for me. There's a, a few exceptions that really require maybe lifelong dedication or really long-term stuff. But yeah. when it comes to spirits, for instance, I'll mm-hmm. just focus on a certain category for months. Then done. Yeah. And then I like got what, I learned everything, read everything I could, mm-hmm. on to the next one. And it, it's, a, it's kind of an interesting, I'll call, I'm going to call it compartmentalization. Yeah. That's a really a good, good- do you have a good of capacity to do that? I mean, if if you have time to let me tell you about all my hobbies that I've had in the past, uh, one was uh, herpetology. What is I was, that? Uh, her- uh, reptiles and amphibians. Like, oh wow! I would keep uh, snakes and I would grow them to like breeder size, and then I would like trade them into like reptile breeders yeah, and yeah. like get the next new snake that I was like really into, kind of thing. Okay. Um, I was a tattoo artist for like four years. Really? Yeah, um, I basically, yeah, drawing. I did uh, murals uh, for a while, like painting with acrylics and all sorts of uh, other multi-mixed media arts yeah. and things like that. So Okay, that's three. I can't, I just want to fancy a guess the next one, but I think it's going to be completely inaccurate. So tell me, give me a four. I mean, one. spirits is one of them. Yeah. Uh, what a wine. Uh, I got my level one song back when I was in like, like 2010. No kidding. Yeah, so it's just like all sorts of like weird things and sometimes like i'll jumble them up and around and stuff like that but like you said you go in spurts yeah sometimes like you said uh three months sometimes it's like four years yeah yeah but you know i think you just got to put your all into everything that you study outside of work to really get your head outside of work yeah man i could not agree more fishing was the other one oh no kidding (laughs) yeah so so, i mean this is incredible because it's this rich tapestry Mm -hmm. of hobbies and interests do you like to travel oh absolutely yeah um i try to make it a point to go to a new country every year yeah Uh, last year i went to belize the year before that i was in uh panama or peru and Mm -hmm. uh colombia yeah so any areas of the the world that you've yet to discover that you really really want to go to i've really traveled you know north and south america and like the caribbean and everything yeah. like that i think my next like venture will be southeast asia slash japan yeah and then maybe move my way down and then hit europe later in life because that's always going to be there mm-hmm. <laughs>
I don't know if the Brexit stuff has to work out. Oh, okay. But some, <laughs> some parts of it. Truth. Yeah. Will be there. But no, I, that's, it's such an interesting thing to just kind of set your sights on that. You know, do you consider yourself an ambitious person? Do you make goal, like goals, measurable goals and things for yourself? Um, not set in stone or anything that, that, but I do have ambitions. Um, you know, uh, believe it or not, uh, before I moved out here, I applied for uh, the position that Tacey had taken as the GM at Midnight no Cowboy from Indianapolis. Uh, and I was like, I really want to work at that bar. I really want to work at that bar. Yeah. And uh, got here, um, did my due diligence to know the people that I had to meet to like get in. Yeah. Worked my ass off, uh, ended up becoming a GM, and then just was like, I really just want to be the GM at this bar. So who knows where that's going to take me after this role, mm -hmm. but I think I wouldn't be happy leaving this role until I was happy with everything that I did in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's just like one of those things where I always am my own harshest critic, mm -hmm. uh, where like, if I think I'm doing a good job, I'm already like two steps behind. Right. You know, so like it's thinking that like three or four steps ahead to get me to where I feel comfortable. So. And it, you know, it's funny too, is I was talking about the Spanish thing and I beat myself up when I can't understand a language that's on a show and they're speaking like so fast. Oh yeah. But then the point is, is that we're not being pessimistic because mm -hmm. that's different, right? Yeah. Pessimism is like, oh, I can't do this. And we're almost on the other end of it where it's over mm -hmm. optimism, you know, or it's like, I should be doing better. I should be doing more. Mm -hmm. And that's why we never stop. And I say that because I, I say we, but because we're men, we have beards and we're Aquarians. So like, <laughs> so like the, that's that's what the we. It's a really here. good correlation. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. I wear glasses typically when we're in contacts right now. So cool. You know, there's that too. So this story, though, much like you know, my dad, I, I visited small town Indiana later in life when he kind of took us back there. And you are a kid growing up in Indianapolis, but then you said you're focused, but you're spending some time in Tennessee. Was there ever a chance you were going to end up in, or you, said, you said Nashville, rather. Nashville, yeah. yeah. Was there any chance you were going to end up in Nashville? I definitely thought about it. Because um, kind of how old at this point? I'm 33 right now. So at that point, though, when you're focused, but you're really young? Um, yeah, I was eight. Mm. So like from eight to 18, I spent all my summers in Tennessee, uh, Nashville, just going back and forth, uh, doing the whole thing. And yeah. It was fun hanging out with my dad. We had a boat. We'd go on the lake. We'd go downtown, do the whole nine yards. Uh, but I was really too young to really understand, like, my service industry, like, I guess what I was going to get into later. Yeah. Like, 14, I started working at a pizzeria, like, in, <laughs> in Indianapolis, just nice. because my mom said, if you want a cell phone, go buy it. Ah, uh, yeah. So, like, I was one of the first kids in my school that had a job and, like, paid for my own cell phone at, like, 14. That's amazing. So, it's um it's one of those things where I really just didn't know. Um, Nashville now is absolutely amazing. Killer spot. Yeah. Uh, even when I was like going back and forth, like it was building so much up on itself. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be a whole lot smaller. Now I compare it to like a southern version of Indianapolis. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize. I've just heard great things about it, but I haven't been back mm -hmm. in quite some time. So though, this you know you'd mentioned that you don't have an ear for music. No. Or an ear for art. But yeah. you have an eye for it. Yeah. What kinds of things were kind of influencing you visually? Maybe they were filmmakers. Maybe they were artists. They said, oh, maybe I'll push into the graphic design area. Um, 
back then I was really into graffiti. Mm. Um, there was one book that I had that was called Black Ink. Uh, that was about this uh, guy that would travel around and do just like straight black and white murals slash mm-hmm. things, and he would do also like graffiti work in like random areas around the world. Wow was really cool i mean of course like banksy was like one of those guys that like really influenced me yeah. i think it was mostly like street art and that like kind of group just kind of organic and like from the people kind of thing yeah and a little bit more like visceral you know what mm-hmm. i mean i think anything that was like big bold colors like straight edge lines things like that that's why like when i got into tattoo uh art i was like very into like new age american traditional Mm -hmm. where you would have those like big bold lines and then you would have like this very sharp color yeah and i think it's the contrast that really like like high contrast high contrast kind of stuff they're like really pulled my eye early on and also like sharp edges things like that really um especially when you play with like i don't know like the geometry of like walls and if you were going to paint on like certain you know medium and like see what angles you're actually playing off of to create these like visual distractions mm. kind of things well, playing like, with 3d really exactly right? yeah. like playing with 3d with 2d art yeah is like something that like really kind of got to me mm. uh where if you like look at something from one angle it looks like something completely different when you like walk around it yeah is like the stuff that really kind of got to me well it's always lovely to challenge people's perceptions Oh, yeah. You know, and in that case, it's really, really challenging their physical perceptions. Well, I mean, I think that's the same thing like we do or, you know, in the industry. It's yeah. like people always like expect okay. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like if you hit this line of okay, then I'm not going to complain and I'll right. probably be back at some point or another. Right, uh, right. If you hit like less than okay, like obviously I might write a review and I might be back if you tell me like you're working on what you're what I'm complaining about. Yeah. If you hit excellent, like people are always going to be so hyped and like tell everybody. Yeah. You know. It's, oh yeah, they're your they're they're a PR mechanism at that point. Yeah, but you don't also have to pay them. It's it's nice. Yeah, but on the flip side of that, if you have like below okay, then that one person will tell a hundred people about how terrible their experience is. Where that one person that has this excellent experience tells three people. Yeah, you're absolutely right, I and mean, that's. So, that's the focus on negativity and stuff, you know. Just, mm-hmm. And I think this comes back to, man, there, there, there's good. I'm sure this theme's going to kind of keep repeating itself, but self centeredness, you know, self fulfilling mm-hmm. egos and things like that. And I think that's kind of comes into play. Like, man, do you hear what this guy did? You hear what this person did? Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I can go skip this interview because I got better things to do. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's an interesting thing. Well, I mean, if you want to circle back to that whole ego thing, like, uh, I, egos are something that are best left for somewhere outside of your workplace like you can be very passionate about who you are as a person mm-hmm. but I could care less if that comes into us actually executing something mm. for our guests and it's like I always say all the time like just because you work here it doesn't make you a badass <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean yeah, and it's yeah. like you, you can be a badass like I, I'm okay with that but it your title here doesn't make you a badass. It's yeah. what you do while you're here that will eventually make you a badass. Somewhere. Yeah. So it's an interesting thing. I mean, just the building yeah. the culture and building people, and learning how to be a manager and learning what your style is and all of that. Oh yeah. So you know, one of the things that that was an interesting intersection 
And we'll talk about the move to Austin here because I'm curious as to what brought you here. Yeah. But there's a friend that we have in common who is also from Indianapolis. And in fact, you guys even, this is cool when you go back and look at the information because I've researched Ruby separately. Mm-hmm. I'd chat with him and need to catch up with him soon. And I've researched you. And, and then all of a sudden, and we're drinking rum. But there's this rum competition. And you both are in this picture together. And I'm like, yeah. oh shit, I know both these guys. Before they were Austin big, mm-hmm. so did you guys hang out? Were you mates in the Indianapolis scene or just acquaintances? Uh, just acquaintances. Actually, that was like one of the first times that I'd actually uh, hung out with Ruby was at that competition, mm. uh, and then afterwards, of course. Yeah, right. Um, but he mostly did a lot of his stuff in Kokomo, which is like just north Indianapolis area, and I mainly was like downtown uh, at the time. Uh, I had heard about him. He was heavy into the USBG and stuff like that, but like our paths had never crossed before that. That's so crazy. Yeah. Um, my whole interest in moving here was uh, because Indianapolis is what it is, and I felt like if I was going to increase myself as a person in this industry, I needed to learn more than just what was in my bubble. Sure. Uh, so... I needed to go somewhere and learn how somebody else did something, even though I thought this was the way it should be done. Mm-hmm. But start out as like a blank slate. Wow. Uh, which that's, is that's mature, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, about it. That's <laughs> uh, that's selfless. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't like to. I guess I'm humble enough. Look at like, I, you know what I, I mean? get it. I get it. Right. If I yeah. pay you any compliment, you're gonna deflect. I get it. This yeah. Is how, this yeah how I do the shit. Yeah. So, it is but, what it is. But in, in all reality, it takes someone pretty focused and clear and clear-minded to say Mm -hmm. i don't know at all so let's go and start from scratch and learn something new but i think that's the thing that i've done like in my entire career is like the way that i always position myself into situations was to try to learn an aspect that i was not a hundred percent sure of or not really good at yeah yeah and i think that's you know the growth that i think a lot of people should take in this industry is to try to focus on their weaknesses to you know maybe increase their strengths dude yeah uh so that's what that was i mean ruby ended up moving here with uh russell uh to open academia that's right yeah so it was a couple just other like folks too if i recall he kind of was plucking people from across mm-hmm and i mean it's funny i uh I was in a conversation with Stephen White uh, from yeah. Seven Grand, and I was like, you know, us Midwest guys, we just work hard. Yeah. And it's like the work ethic is like there. You tell me to do something, like we'll do it. Yeah. He was even brought, uh, you know, old uh, reference back to when he was in uh, the military of like all of his best like comrades and people that he worked with in the military mm-hmm. were all from the Midwest oh, yeah. because you like tell them to do something. There's no questions asked. You just Mm-mm. do it, you know? Uh, it's, it's, I guess it's just in our blood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird that the, I, yeah. I like moving stuff. Mm-hmm. So for instance, because I can just put my head down and do the thing, right? I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just like, this needs to go from here to here. So for me, it's like the simplest way to mm-hmm. just get the work done. You know, yeah. as you get older and in different kinds of positions of leadership, potentially maybe starting your own brand, all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. then it, that work changes, but you, you never lose that. You know, I love sweeping. Really? That is one of my favorite. And I, actually, I don't think a lot of people know this about me. I love sweeping be- because I can just put my yeah. earphones in and just sweep mm-hmm. 
all I'm trying to do is get something from one point to the other point. You yeah. know, it's it's something very very medicinal about it. I got a great reference for you when it comes to that. Is uh, I I was training this new bartender, and I was like, okay, now we got to sweep behind the bar, and he's like, you know, going hard. He's like sweeping everything. Yeah, and I'm like, he's like, can you tell I was a hockey player? I'm like, <sighs> okay, cool. <laughs> but then I was like let me grab this broom from you and let me show you like what I'm actually looking for. And like medicinally, just put my head down, yeah, go under everything, just as thorough as I possibly can. And I pull out probably a whole dustpan's worth of stuff. I was like, can you tell I was in the kitchen before? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, oh, okay, touche. Yeah. So from that point on, he was always like getting under stuff and stuff like that. It, but, there's something about that, that work, yeah. you know, and building and using your hands. It's just the absence of all this other stuff that's making life a little more complicated. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes you just need a disconnect even while you're doing work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So so moving to Austin is a challenge because did you know anybody here? Because you said, I guess, Ruby moved after you did. Uh, my buddy Scott had moved here who had worked with me previously at Plat 99 in mm. Indianapolis. Uh, he had also moved to like Louisville and Chicago before he moved here. Oh. He's kind of bouncing all around. Yeah. Um, but then my sister uh, lives here or lives in Round Rock. No kidding. She had moved here to work for a tech company about five years ago. Wow. Uh, and she said, hey, if you're really talking about leaving Indianapolis, because I was thinking like New Orleans, sure. I was definitely thinking Austin. I had a couple of other places in mind, but I wasn't really exactly sure. Mm. Uh, she was like, if you want to move here, you know, let me know and you can stay with me for a little bit until you get your feet under you. I was like, that sounds like I can actually move up this process like six months. Yeah. And why not? So it worked out pretty perfectly. You guys pretty close? You and your sister? Yeah, pretty close. You have close. some other siblings too? Or just uh, I mean, I have like an older half-sister half, and half-brother. Yeah. Uh, they live in uh, St. Louis, but she's my immediate sister, I yeah. guess I should say. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're close enough in the way of siblings that can hang out for like two or three days at a time. That's kind of about thing. a good chunk, yeah. yeah. My brother and I are about good for two, three days. And it's like, you're great because you haven't seen each other for a while. You hang out and then all of a sudden, three days later, you start picking at like the insecurities or like yeah. imperfections at each other. And you're like, oh shit, I got to I best just go, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. It's, I mean, that's, maybe that's one of the beauties of having siblings, you know? Yeah. What was the point then being in Austin, you have a little bit of, a, it's always good to have family. For oh, for sure. But what was the point where you realized, I, I want to stay here. I want to see what this is really all about. Um, I mean, I still have that like, <laughs> thing going on like all the time. It's, How many years now? Uh, just lo- just over two. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it would be June would be my two-year mark. Okay. Uh, so I think the thing that has kept me here is the constant challenge. Mm. Also learning something new about uh, the industry in this city, yeah. uh, building the relationships because I've found out that this city has such a tight knit like bar community and like family of people yeah. that are just like very supportive of each other, uh, which I didn't, I'm not going to say I didn't have in Indianapolis, but it wasn't to the same extent. Texas hospitality is different, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. we do have a reputation for that and it's well-deserved, I think. Mm-hmm. At least in, I, you know, I can attest to dallas or houston but i could presume the same things but austin if you need something if you need to talk oh yeah if you need to have coffee 
and talk about a business idea, if you need mentorship, I think it's all really there mm-hmm. and it's very, very open. And you got some great figures here that have been doing it so long. And that's something that I've been starting to latch on to is all of, uh, I guess I would say mentors or people yeah. that I look up to in this industry that have like very good insight, you know, on this, you know, community as what Austin is. Right. Uh, which can go a very long way. And I think it's the same thing with when I talk about like, hey, I came here to learn something new. It's like you can't just like be stuck in your old mind frame. You got to mm-hmm. really be able to be open to listen to people that know about what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, Anybody that, that comes, you know, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll share something. Mm-hmm. So when I first started making gin in 2012, <clears throat> this one we, we finally came out with some gins, like the fourth in Texas at that time, which is crazy. And it wasn't that old, I promise. It wasn't that old. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I considered everybody that was making a gin in Texas was like competition. Right? Now, whether this is right or not. No, this I, is yeah, where yeah, I was yeah. coming from at that no, point. No, totally understand. And I think uh, 31. I was like 31. Right? Okay. I'm 39 now. So this is quite a, quite a while ago. And I'm, I met this guy. I heard about this guy. He was working for this brand called Aviation Gin. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll tell you what. He doesn't know this. And I see him a lot. And he's been so very support. I, I really, really appreciate Tober, um, not as a bartender, but as a businessman and as a man. Yeah, you know. But there was this point where I would keep, I kept saying like, "Oh man, competition, this and that," you know. And he goes, "Hey, look, man, we're all in this together. It's not a competition." Yeah. And like that was a changing point for me. And it just took two sentences or two independent clauses in this case, right, that shifted everything for me. And so every now and again, when we're on the up and up and we're learning and we're growing and we're maturing and we're meeting all these people, someone says something so succinctly insightful that it's like, fuck, you're right. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe one of the things I love about this community is that there's always somebody that can teach you something, if not something about yourself. Yeah. You know, and in this short two years which could be a long 10 years could be who knows yeah have you grown a bit since you've been here oh definitely i mean the things that i've learned from the people that have been around uh i've learned a lot i can't like you know compartmentalize yeah. into like each specific thing that i learned oh it's but, just like this general thing right <clears throat> yeah like it's like a cloud That's like it's right. like somebody tells you something i just upload it in my brain to the cloud and like all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. it's like there forever and it's never going away what is it all it, much like a palette of paint it's blending all those paints together and you still have a color yeah but it's composed of all these individual things and it grows like a cloud or like a snowball you know yeah and i mean I, the way that I always looked at things is like, you can tell me this and I'll, I'll keep it here. But if somebody tells me something that might be different or better or just, you know, unique, mm-hmm. I'm still going to like listen to all those and rationalize it in my head to make my best judgment of the way that I should, you know, move forward with whatever you're telling me. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a, a major detriment to like hear something thing from one person and one perspective uh as a person to just like regurgitate it on sure. everybody else it what, so. what's that word monolithic is that the word I'm looking yeah for? yeah yeah like it's just a singular vision or singular point of view mm-hmm. in a world of gray black and white right yeah in other words there are more than two sides <laughs> Yeah, it's like if uh, somebody says, I look at the world in gray, I'm like, well, I look at it in black, white, and gray. 
you know (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's cool you can live there but like it's it doesn't mean that you're getting everybody's perspective yeah so it's uh it's good to be open-minded i guess is the best way to say that i think so too there's no way to grow unless you're willing to learn exactly and i mean growth has to come from like you said earlier from within like and being humble enough to know that you know i don't know everything Mm -hmm. yeah how could we yeah you know there's this great john or uh jimmy hendrix uh quote that i always go back to and it's uh knowledge is to speak wisdom is to listen oh yeah and it's just like if if you want to tell me like cool like you you have knowledge i want to soak this up but I'm trying to be wise about this and the way that I can kind of regurgitate this to the rest of the people that might be listening to me later. Yeah. No, it's a very oh. good... It's nice to treat it with some responsibility and some reverence. Truth. You know, because we... You as a leader have a bar staff. If I say something stupid, however many people listen to the podcast... I, I don't care about making a joke. I make stupid jokes <laughs> all the fucking time. But if I have a profound misunderstanding about something... Yeah. You know, it is my responsibility to just listen very carefully. Because you talk, man, we are talking about agave stuff earlier. Mm. That's a really specific category that has no rules and is boundless, you know? But... Yeah, let's talk about rum. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, and we're drinking this Peruvian rum. It's the only Peruvian rum. What do you think about this, by the way? Uh, It's got this... It's got this great kind of mellow balance to it, yeah. and it's not super funky, but it does have some of this like I don't know, dude. I I'm trying. I know exactly. It's almost like a sherry finish or like some sort of like ex wine kind of finish to it. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's it is kind of you're right. It's not grapey, but it's portish. But that's but you, I get what you're saying. Yeah, but it's almost mushroomy. Yeah. You know? It's got but, some sort of must, yeah. but it's not like dunder funk. It's right. like, yeah. It's low, it's low brow mineral funk mm-hmm. instead of that funky acidic funk. Mm. This is, I mean, it was, and we, I, I don't even get the details right because that's what I have to do on the podcast. That's a great part, right? <laughs> but like Slovenian oak, I don't know what that is. Hell, neither do I. Is that different than <laughs> Slovakian oak? I don't know. This is all uh, new territory. I mean, oh, I'm. Of my geographical, you know, knowledge, <laughs> I think East, yeah, the, <laughs> the Eastern European countries are the ones that kind of fall short. That's so. right. It's a little hard. Macedonia, is that still a thing? I, I hope so. I, do uh, I don't <laughs> want to discount the Macedonians. <laughs> <laughs> so this latest chapter, you know, and I was just in Cowboy this weekend talking to Drew. You guys have done a really cool concept having that patio out there. Yeah, thank you. And it gets better as the seasons get better, of course, because mm-hmm. Texas has got awful when it comes to heat. But this this is the thing, and I've seen it grown. And I remember the first I was there the first week, like it was it was an event. Mm-hmm. Cowboy Open. It was a staff. I always call it the dream team of the cocktail. But you guys are really really busy all of the time now. Yeah, I mean, well, on the weekends especially, especially uh, yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, it fills up the day of, if not a week or two before. Yeah, uh, which is great. And I think it's just a testament to uh, the way that we really treat uh, guest experience. Yeah. So. So if someone comes in there, someone you've never met, and you and your staff are aligned on some principles, what is it that you want that person to feel when they come in and sit down? At least listen to. I mean, even if it even if it doesn't align with like the values of our you know guest experience or service standards or something like that. Right. We can at least listen. And I think that's something that like 
we had spoken on earlier is like people want to be heard yeah uh if you listen and then you calmly explain like this is why we do things and it's aligned this way so that you can have the best experience i want to say 99 percent of the time they're like okay cool like show me what you do and then if we don't absolutely blow them away by what we do the way that we do it mm-hmm. then we can probably look at tweaking our standards in some other way yeah but I think uh, everything has been streamlined in a way to like really maximize like guest experience and service standards and timing, yeah, uh, which is a very large part about having timed reservations, so that you can ensure consistency and quality in a timely manner. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, imagine if you if your reservation ends in five minutes and then we have a round of drinks that are still being made right now. Are you going to be elated to get your drinks and then be rushed out to the patio because somebody has to take that seat right after you? Yeah. You know, it's just like making sure that the experience is there. Mm. So, and the the menu, which this is the second utterance, I believe, the second full travel around the world kind yeah, of bit. The passport, passport, which is, you know, sometimes people can be too clever with shit. <laughs> you know, with menu concepts and stuff, and it's like, yeah. okay, I get it. You know, but yeah. I, I was there with my wonderful partner, and she's like, I like this, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay. I like it too because it's it's a really interesting concept, and you guys are. I mean, I don't like to give you too much credit because you can't take a compliment, but there's a lot of interesting flavors yeah. on there. Stuff I would have not oh, ever yeah. thought about, and that is a brainchild of the staff, mostly you, less you, everybody. Uh, it's the staff, and I think uh, the real reason that people want to work at Cowboy is to gain some sort of insight on how to build quality cocktails but do it as extravagantly and as flavorfully as possible yeah um and the whole creation aspect i think is what drives craft cocktail bartenders uh, but the grind is the part that kind of weeds out craft cocktail bartenders sure. in the same right so there are many other ways that i've been trying to get like our bartenders involved like in the community to like take their mind off of the day-to-day grind so mm-hmm. that when it does come time to create these new cocktails. They're like giving it 110 percent, like really thinking off the wall about all these other flavors that they can use and introduce, you know, to a yeah. new menu. So, I'll tell you what, and I know it's a cocktail that's been around. I'm not exactly sure of the origin, but London Calling is one of my well, favorite record, but also one of my favorite drinks. The sherry yeah. gin and I mean, this is really something. But it's just one of the many. There's a turmeric drink that's yeah. got golden honey in it, I think. Uh, turmeric infused Dolan Blanc with uh, yellow chartreuse and uh, Pierre Franz yeah. uh, dry curacao. Just really nice and kind of enormity of flavors. You can kind of get whatever you're looking for. Yeah. I mean, I think creating a balanced menu is like hitting all aspects of the palate. It's like if you have 16 cocktails on a menu, there's got to be something on there for everybody. Yeah. Uh, trying to. I know when I was younger in the craft world, I was just like, I only want to build stirred cocktails. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is my jam. This is something that like I really want to just focus on. Then I realized that only 25% of the people going into my bar wanted stirred cocktails. Like they wanted shaken, right. what have you. And I mean, working with Tasian in Austin and like all of these other influence that I've had from the different bars that I've been to, 
uh, really getting that diverse knowledge of like flavor palette and like what people are actually looking for in this market has really grown me as a bartender a lot. Interesting. Sure. Doing yeah. things for other people instead of yourself. I think that's a big lesson, right? I mean, I really refused to build gin cocktails for the longest time. Really? I, it wasn't, it just, gin was like probably my least favorite spirit category. Yeah. Uh, not, I mean, excluding vodka, but that's like a whole nother sure. story. Well, uh, neutrality when it comes, neutrality, right? Yeah. yeah, when it comes to like building cocktails. Yeah. Um, but then I had to like challenge myself into building gin cocktails. And I was like, okay, I can I can do this. Mm. You know, it's uh, it's not outside of my wheelhouse now. And I think it's uh, reaching for those bottles that you wouldn't normally reach for as a bartender and finding a way to make these flavors work is yeah. really what grows bartenders into be, being creative. I, I love that. So, yeah. you ever watch Chopped? I have seen a couple of uh, episodes, yeah. The most amount of inspiration I've got for cocktail combos in the past couple of years is from Chopped. Interesting. Because you're forced to use sour cream and then halibut. You know, <laughs> <laughs> some stupid, preposterous combination. Yeah. But then I feel like, well, if I sear the skin and then get some oil, I've got this salty, you know, and then I can mm-hmm. use that with the fat. And like, it's it, cocktails. Now, I don't think chefs make good mixologists i i say that and i'm uh, let me say that i think that that's true yeah it really is true but i think that people that make cocktails and bartenders have to think like chefs truth and uh, if you look at our menu a lot of our menu is culinary driven that's right um whereas i get all of my inspiration from chefs like you were just saying on chopped uh mine is more of like i have to be immersed in these flavors like i have to like try it yeah for it to like make sense in my brain uh for instance i had a uh it was a chicken liver mousse okay. with uh a beet puree and a peach uh jam uh-huh. okay. with like a churro on top with oh, cocoa the texture? powder smart the texture smart. yeah so it's just like trying to incorporate things that would like actually work with this dish yeah would be if i was still working in restaurant bars i'd be like hey chef what's your new thing and let me see if i can find a way to complement this dish the best i can yeah however i'm going to hint on your whole like chefs being mixologists they also don't like being one-upped by their bar program (laughs) so true uh it and i'll say this as far as like craft uh bartenders things like that we really are just trying to gain knowledge of flavor profile and things yeah. like that. And chefs should be that inspiration to the bartenders, you know, instead of like subcategorizing them into like a different, you yeah. know. Yeah, oh, it's a different strata or part of the hierarchy. That's exactly. Foolish. It's, it's just as lucrative now, too. Exactly. So it's like if your bar program is making just as much as your culinary program, I mean, why be you could just elevate this and still make more money, yeah, you know? Yeah, um, but, but, yeah. Yeah, there was one, so one, like, I, I'm going to say it, but Bobby Flay, I don't care what kind of pop cook he is or whatever, the dude just works, right? You know what I mean? Like, he yeah. just puts his head down and he works. And now he does the hosting thing, and I think that's actually smart brand diversification or whatever. But this is how I knew something as simple as this that I thought was brilliant, right? So he's making a Cubano sandwich. So roasted pork in this case, nice bun, pickles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he used Swiss cheese, but I think the other person used Gruyere, whatever. That's fine. So, but mustard, right? Okay. So people are thinking, oh, yeah, could, you put mustard on it. It's like, oh, yeah, so you put mustard. Yeah, well, what kind? Oh, uh, just the yellow kind. It's like, are you sure? Yeah. 
So he mixes whole grain with Dijon. So you get texture, punch, wine, and like, and I'm like, this is the dumbest possible thing I could be fixating on right now. <laughs> but that kind of simplistic yeah. combination of flavors is what pushes flavor through the roof. And Truth. that's the thing, man, because that's not, it's not some crazy sous vide thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like a pinch of this, a pinch of that. Well, it's the same thing when it comes down to all these new like bar devices that people are using that yeah. have been in that the was culinary world. <laughs> oh yeah, was it? <laughs> well, no, you're doing the air quotes, so no one can see it. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, this yeah, is, this is important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. These bar tools. That oh are- yeah, like using a sous vide to make syrups now, using a centrifuge for all these things. Mm-hmm. Like at Midnight Cowboy, all we have is like an induction burner. <laughs> Like, we have a sous vide, but we never use it unless we, like, absolutely have to. Yeah. Like, it, it's just, like, using the minimalist kind of tools, you can still execute the same flavors. Absolutely. It's, like, you don't you don't need to spend a million dollars on all these, like, really cool chef tools to, like, create flavor. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can use an induction burner and a juicer. And, and that's, like, all we have. And what better tool does anybody have than, one, their head, mm-hmm. their brain, their experience, and, two, their heart and their passion? Truth. I think that's it. Yeah. If you know how to taste and you've been there before and you really love it, the result will inevitably always be good. Oh, yeah. And I mean, it's the same thing when chefs pour passion into their food, oh, like yeah. bartenders do it into their cocktails. And I think there was this uh, blind surveyor like competition that somebody had done years ago. But I just remember this because they said, I don't want to see who made the cocktail. But I'm going to put this bartender that came in real shitty and like was just didn't have their head on straight. Mm -hmm. Make Mm -hmm. me a daiquiri. And then I want this bartender that's like super happy to make me a daiquiri. Make me a daiquiri. And I want to taste them side by side and see if which one gives me, even though they're the same specs, the same builds, which one gives me the response that I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. 100% of the time, it was always the guy that like was happy to make a daiquiri was the one that like and you can see it when people drink people that are happy to serve them you know what i mean so dude it automatically makes the experience better truth and it's it, it's a nice bias to be honest mm-hmm. bias is the experience i think that's a positive thing so it took you guys a long time and i think rightfully so for the first iteration of the menu the second now this passport as you shake your head i think i think i cried on that first launch <laughs> yeah. like the bar flip i definitely yeah. like went home like with tears in my eyes it was just like so strenuous oh but, man yeah i can't was, imagine it was all right i, I survived well you always will survive <laughs> well that's that's how sometimes it, you feel like you're not in the yeah, moment but so you're gonna survive yeah i, mean, I get this it. Is how it works even if you're dragging your feet across the room you know mm-hmm. what's next for midnight cowboy this menu is relatively new right was it for spring uh or was the, it summer the passport menu yeah passport. uh passport menu we launched december last year okay um and we should be launching the new menu either october or november of this year oh wow um it's going to be the field guide to evil uh <laughs> what <laughs> it's uh it's really a pretty cool concept so two years ago south by uh alamo in conjunction with eight different uh directors created this series of short stories called The Field Guide to Evil. Oh. Uh, it was the follow-up to the ABCs of Death. Okay, that's what I thought. All right, yeah. Um, so it was like eight directors from eight different regions around the world telling short stories about uh, different folklore and legends from each region. Yeah. Uh, our 
menu is going to be based off of a good cocktail from each short story and a evil cocktail from each short story. Protagonist, antagonist? And there will be a little write-up about each one of the short films uh, on each page yeah. with each of the cocktails. Um, it will also be launched on streaming media with the release of our menu. Oh, so that's clever. when we drop our menu, Alamo will release it on streaming media and then boom. And then you can either watch the short stories, come in and get a drink or get a drink and then go home and Netflix and chill. Wow. I don't want to quote Netflix, but no, it, it might be another, you know, Some, yeah, that's, media source. That's man. That's really, really cool. And because I'm yeah. a massive horror fan too. Me too. Yeah. Did you see these posters I have in the living room? We'll have to look at them again I, when yeah. we go in there. But I'm down. It's becoming the best part of the year in the fall, man. This mm-hmm. is when I love to be around and weather and everything. So I got one question left for you. Yeah, what's up? And this one, you know, I ask all my guests this. Actually, I just was listening back. I interviewed Ron Cooper and I put that out this past week. And amazing experience, but I forgot to ask him this question. Oh, okay. God damn it. <laughs> this kinda, is the only time. <laughs> I'm kind of nervous now. No, no, it's an easy question, but like, I don't know how you would answer it. Yeah. So you are, you're at Midnight Cowboy. You're enjoying your favorite cocktail off the new menu. This is all just hypothetical, right? And you can have a conversation and a drink with anybody living or deceased. You and that person in that bar, who would you love to sit down and have a drink with? It's a really good question. I mean, if you say like living and deceased, it that's just like, tough, yeah. yeah, opens it up to a whole other element. I guess if we were going to make this driven about, uh, you know, our industry, mm-hmm. I would like to sit down with Sasha mm. Petrosky. Uh, he was a gentleman that I was never able to meet, yeah. but also had a lot of influence uh all over you know the united states and the world uh so like i feel like his you know tutelage could really give me a head up uh you know as far as what i want out of this career slash what i can get out of this career and how i need to do it yeah so it's been really interesting interviewing lots of people that knew him and i've mm -hmm. built the visage of the man in my head based on the other words of people that were were with him yeah romantically and people that were working alongside him and i think that's good man you know yeah. he's got that beautiful drawing and art piece of the roosevelt room and stuff and mm-hmm. lives on well i think it's like uh me as a person the one thing that i'd want to get out of my life is to have what i've learned or what i've what impact I've made in my life Mm -hmm. live on. So it's basically your form of being immortal. You know what I mean? So like, I I don't want my time on this earth to be forgotten after I've, after I've gone. So completely understand. uh, That's, I guess my main driving factor in everything that I do to make myself the best person I can be is to, you know, have people when they look back at my life, say that I made an impact. Yeah. So, I'm exactly there with you. One other caveat is that I just want to make sure people want to have a drink with me. <laughs> Best barometer of success. Exactly. You know. So, Ryan, it's been brilliant getting to know you finally. No, absolutely. Jackie, man. Yeah. It's been good sipping rum. We're going to go shoot some, you know, high def video now. And I'm going to put my makeup on and we're going to get this thing done. Oh, yeah. So, I'll chat you soon. Get it all dolled up for me? I mean, I 
shaved my neck today. How's that? Oh, you look beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Talk soon. Yeah, cheers. So what do you guys think, Mr. Ryan Ehrlichman, the GM of Midnight Cowboy Bar here in Austin, Texas? A reasonable guy, a smart guy, a pensive guy, an Aquarius? Now, I know I go on and on about this, but we are so easy to get along with, I'm just telling you. So why don't you go visit Ryan over there at Midnight Cowboy? Check out the new menu. I hear it's miraculous, beautiful, and delicious. I can't wait to check it out myself. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how little attention you're paying to Lair of the White Worm as it is on Amazon Prime, or if you're thinking, I'm not sure if I can watch any more horror movies this month, please keep dancing.